We would never want anyone else to go through the same experience and we really genuinely want to help the next generation of young ambitious women to unleash their potential straight away and imagine where they are going to take it. From the sunny palms of Los Angeles, this is Bully Buster, the podcast where Rhonda Orr speaks with guests battling the bully culture. Listen to real stories and find real solutions using Rhonda's Triangle of Triumph, going from victim to survivor to leader. Rhonda is an award-winning executive trainer, columnist, and speaker. She's also served as the founder of two nonprofits addressing child abuse and bullying. Now, here's Rhonda. Welcome back to Bully Buster. My guest today, Kate Sorella joins me from across the pond, as they say, in London. She's traveled all around the world and lived in Europe, Asia, and Australia. Now she's a partner COO and head of compliance and legal at the Analyst Research LLP. Kate was also a leader of legal and compliance research team after studying law and finance at University of Oxford. Attending Oxford was a goal since she was a little girl, watching her social worker mom represent children in court. Recently, Kate published a book, Unleashed Today, with co-author Sarah Wagner. They developed it after finding that existing business self-help books were written by successful women who were 20 years their seniors. This is a -a one-of-a-kind, modern-day self-help and mentoring book that was created for young, ambitious, and progressive women, leaving universities and entering the workplace, much like Kate and Sarah. Their goal was to share their lessons learned so other ambitious women don't have to go through what they did. Welcome to Bully Buster, Kate. I'm so honored. I've finished your book, Unleashed Today, and not only is it fabulous, it's great for all women, and I'm talking about me, who is certainly old enough to be your mom. Thank you, Rhonda, (laughs) for having me in your podcast. It's an absolute pleasure. I have just wonderful information about your tour. What was the one thing that was something that you can take away for the rest of your life that solidified everything you learned, and it it made it click for you. The one thing that really was so remarkable and memorable for Sarah and myself was receiving the actual copy of Unleashed Today, the book that we have written for young, ambitious women to help them unleash their potential in the workplace. And feeling that, let's say, our advice and our tips are out there, accessible to anyone. And that was the one main goal that we wanted to help all these young women that are transitioning from university to their first workplace. Well, I saw photos of you actually receiving it. You you were out in the yard and holding it up and sharing that. And it was exciting. I, I can't fathom. It must be something to really make you feel concrete in your system. I would say... It's not about Sarah and myself. It's more about the the readers. Mm -hmm. And our intention was quite clear. And I think we have achieved that, which was rather than spending one-to-one time mentoring and only reaching out to a limited amount of people, writing it in a book and sharing the stories also from all of the experts that have contributed to our book 
and and many of our team members, because we had a team of 29 people without whom we would not be able to achieve this. In that way, it's out there accessible to anyone who is ready to unleash their potential. I was excited to see how many people you had. You had just so many marketing specialists and those types of things. And so did they arrange your tour and, and were you able to podcast from there? Or how did it work during the pandemic? So we started with our friends and connections that have helped us. And all of these people that supported us on the journey were volunteers. And then once we started spreading the word in terms of helping others and putting all the advice and tips together in a, in a book, it just the community grew. And I still can't believe how come that we managed to get 29 really talented people who have never even done such a thing before. So it was a really good experience for all of us. And, and just, it was a journey, you know, it wasn't perfect. And I wouldn't like it to be perfect because otherwise we would not have learned so much. So when I was looking at your book, I love the fact that you have seven chapters. And I'd like to kind of work backwards, starting from the seventh chapter, because that talks a lot about queen bees. I have a story to tell you, and I'm so thrilled to get your opinion about this. So I had a 30-year corporate career. I started in cosmetics as an executive trainer, and then I worked up to a point where I was a senior VP. And the very first day that I came on board with this global company, I was thrilled to be there. And I had the best salary I've ever had. And I was at the pinnacle. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, this is wonderful because now this is going to be exciting to be at this point. And so many ideas and loving their product. And I would sit in on board meetings and... This woman who found me through another friend of mine in the same industry, we got to know each other and it was exciting. And she knew that I had worked with this other spectacular corporation. I hired top salespeople. We had a staff of 14. And then I was let go at six months when I hit my 50% increase. It was a plan for them to let go of not only myself, but to let go of the other people that I had hired, some that I had taken away from other organizations. It was the worst queen bee. It was horrible. (laughs) Well, that's terrible. I realized what a true queen bee was. What's your interpretation of a true queen bee? It's a very difficult question to answer until you experience it. And we have collected some really interesting stories on this topic as well in our book from experts worldwide. And we have basically categorized different boss types in our step six, which is on how to deal with difficult conversations and difficult people. And Queen Bee is definitely one of the types um, that people can experience in any environment. Now, our interpretation of Queen Bee was that there is usually, it can be also a man, but usually it's a woman who is not supporting, but say more senior woman who is not supporting the junior staff because she might have it difficult. So she wants other women to have it difficult. And especially in the male-dominated environment, like tech that Sarah works in or finance or any other, let's say, even construction, there is, there is, there are very few women. And if you kind of get through the ranks, 
you should be supportive and you should be opening your arms and just saying, well, we are changing the status quo. But whereas these, let's say, these particular individuals might say differently. Now, we had a really interesting story from one of our experts that experienced something very similar to yourself, Runda. And she was basically joining a new company and she has done everything she could for setting herself up for this position. And when she had all of that lined up for this new position that she wanted to pursue, someone else was accepted um, instead. And it was all down to her boss at the time, which is, which is awful. But as we say also in, in Unleashed today, in our next step on, let's say, learning and growing that you also mentioned, it's all about the experience and looking at those lessons learned and taking them forward. So if, if people are exposed to that, it's just also about the attitude that you have and how do you manage upwards is also a very important skill that we would very much uh, recommend anyone to, to start looking at at the start of their career. And going through all those processes, if they do go through an experience of grieving, correct? Yes. That they have to they have to grieve their losses as a victim and recognize it. And I think for a long time, some people are in denial that how could this even happen? You know, I, I thought I was too educated. I thought I was, you know, on and on and on what you think you are, your identity. Mm. So how important is it to have a great identity based on values and principles? Absolutely. And that's the first step that we start with, and it's uh, we focus in our introduction uh, on values and also what is your purpose? What do you really want to achieve in your career? And how do you want to grow? And how do you want to expand? And there are a lot of people don't know themselves. Let's say if you're in your 20s and you enter the workplace from university, which is a completely different environment, people are struggling to even know what they want, where they really thrive, and what makes them tick. And what are the things that they are not very good at? But if you are not good at something, that does not mean that you will not succeed. It's about potentially compensating it by someone else's talent. And if you're building a team at work and you already kind of get into the management role, it's all about getting some other people in your team that are your weaknesses, are their strengths. And values, it all comes back to the values as well. And just being honest with yourself and quite clear, what really matters to you? I always think, and I've said for 30 years, in order to feel well enough about yourself, you do the things that you need to do first thing in the day, whatever that looks like, taking a shower, uh, doing your makeup for me is a process because I actually meditate through that time too. Mm. And feeling so well enough about yourself, knowing who you are and learning who you are and knowing who you are and deciding who you are, the who, what, where, when, why, how. And every time you learn something, you fit that into a value, right? Yes. What happens when someone decides, oh, my identity is now different? I think, Rhonda, it, it changes. It changes throughout uh, the time. It's life is a, is a process and we should embrace that they are the values will change throughout throughout your professional but also personal life and i'm i'm still too young to comment on that and uh, having gone through the process myself but for instance having a family is is also an important value that uh, people should embrace when now covid-19 was, a lot of people are complaining about this but i must say i very much embrace it because it also shows how 
other things are important and what are the other things that you can enjoy and how you can spend the time, not just constantly rushing back and forth to the office, but also thinking, is there other time that you can invest more into your family or doing completely different things because that will make you more relaxed. So then when you come back to work, you're full of energy. I just come, before I came to this podcast, I've been gardening, which is something that I've never even thought about, but it's, it's just so nice and relaxing and it gives you the energy then to thrive at the later stage. So that's something new for you that you developed during your time of COVID. Indeed, I must say I'm, I'm kind of starting off because uh, there are multiple different hobbies that you, can, that you can think about that will just kind of put your mind at ease. But something that Sarah and I have been really advocating for is to be really clear of your boundaries as well at work. If you are, uh, for instance, asked to do something, you know, last minute and you don't really see, you know, you, you would be sitting there until 3 a.m. Is this really necessary? Why don't you check with your advisor and your supervisor or anyone else who, who has provided you with this assignment? Is it what, what is the scope? What do you need to do and what are the consequences of your work and what's going to happen with that? If it is just some kind of summary for them, which is not going to go to a former committee, why would you kill yourself and be there until 3 a.m. And, and then basically be tired for the rest of the week? It comes back to the values as well and just knowing, seeing you as a priority. Well, absolutely. And I think it's how you do it because your manner of language and dialoguing is so kind. And it is based on what I see in you is feeling well enough about yourself to forget yourself and focus on others and thinking about how they are viewing what you are doing and being able to convey that with, without including a judgment yes. about, you know, to, to the team about what you're doing. This makes no sense to me. Why are we doing this? This is stupid. And I think because people don't identify themselves to begin with, they don't know how to push back mm. and to do it in a system where they're, they feel confident in their own self so they can do that without feeling threatened. Indeed. Or without feeling like a people pleaser. You know, I was the biggest people pleaser on the planet until maybe 10 years ago <laughs> because my place as a woman in the environment at my age was so much different. Mm. Not very many women, even in the cosmetic, cosmeceutical arena, you had way too many men involved in that and you had to learn how to survive first. Yeah. And so one of the way that women did that was to be a people pleaser and bake break their neck at three o'clock in the morning. I can't tell you how many 100 hours a week I worked for different corporations trying to get it just right, trying to move up, trying to get the acknowledgement. Mm. So what, what do you tell young women that they should do in order to learn that kind of dialoguing? I think it's all boiling down to communication and just being very clear mm. what you have been asked to do and then asking yourself, what are, why I'm even doing this? And how do you, what is your ultimate goal? Is that something that you're very much enjoying that you're just living in the office and want to sp spend all your time there? Or do you want to have a balanced approach where you also see your friends, where you get the energy to any other activities that will make you, that will make you happy. And then you come back more energized and more efficient to do things. So 
it's all about being not only honest with others and asking them what is required, but also being honest with yourself. And I think many of us are not honest with ourselves because we don't know ourselves, right? Right. There are multiple ways on how to really get to know yourself and, you know, finding those values. We have spoken about that, but also becoming more confident because once you know yourself more and also acknowledge and accept your weaknesses, you will, you will be more confident out there and you put yourself out. And I occasionally joke about my OCD. I mean, if you make a mistake and Sarah and I are very much focusing on that as a, as a key learning point, then turn it around and see this as an opportunity to overcome that issue again. So it's all about being honest with others, but mainly being honest with yourself and just being forgiving and keep, keep going, keep improving and just let your potential out there. And if other people don't like it, that's their problem. And not everyone is going to like you or anything else that you do. It's just impossible. And from looking at it from a point of bullying, it seems that people that are bullying you can't do it as easily if you're happy. If you're happy, it's because you know who you are. Indeed. And you do set those boundaries. And when you set those boundaries, then you know what's valuable. My three top personal values are forgiveness. I'm glad you brought that up. Gratitude. That's always humbling to be a person of gratitude and integrity, you know, to be who you say you are. I grew up in an era of facades. Mm. You know, my family was the perfect facade. There were four of us. So three sisters that I had, we moved around a lot. There was a lot of abuse, all different types. But on the outside to other people, we were perfect. We were dressed well, we sat well, we did this well, we, Mm. you know, but no one knew what was going on inside. But when I learned how and who I was and why I was, and I was happy about that, then I could work so much better with people who are not. And going back to the queen bees, they're usually not really happy. Yeah. And I think also the, the very interesting research that we have, uh, we have read and studied uh, in depth with Sarah was that 90% of that is perception. It's all in your head and 10% is facts. So focusing on the facts and completely trying to extract those thoughts, negative ideas that are all just assumptions, then you come back to the facts and ask yourself, is this actually really happening or is this something that I think is happening? And you're right, queen bees are usually very unhappy and not confident women most of the time. And they are just compensating. They are trying to shed the light on someone else rather than on themselves because they're really insecure. And being, as you say, being happy and being on top of the game and not even worrying about uh, their thoughts or their ideas will actually put them off because they know that if you're not interacting with their negative thoughts or their negative comments, it will get quite boring uh, for such an individual. So just kind of minding your own business and again, coming back to your own values. And is this even worth it for you? And is is the fight worth fighting? Because you don't need to be even in that fight yourself. And I know it's easy to say, but it's all about just checking in, you know, we, we speak about mentors, coaches, and sponsors. 
-hmm. Getting someone to tell you from an external perspective and validating your facts will also help you kind of overcome, overcome the whole thing. That, I mean, it shows through you. You radiate that from your inside out, that that's how you feel, that it's freeing to be confident. It makes you happy. It makes you progress in the way that you want to progress. Because as you say in your book, I wouldn't have spent 10 years and I spent 30 in the corporate environment, yeah. but I was a single mom. I thought, oh, this is, my, this is the only way I can make money. So I did a nonprofit stop child abuse and produced theater to create funds and awareness for already existing child abuse organizations. When I had a, a baby, I could put on my hip and carry around and do that. And I loved it. But making money at it, I didn't have the confidence that I could do that. So what do you say when people push back, Bo, but, you know, my job, it pays so much better and I have a family or even myself, you know, I, I live in LA, I live in London, as you do. How am I going to afford that? I would always come back to the question and challenge them, what do you need the money for? Do you think that money will buy you happiness? I don't think so. Or would, would uh, some other activities that are maybe you know, non-profit as you did. This really made you happy, Rhonda. And from even how you talk about it, this, this, this is something that makes you tick and you're passionate about. If you can ideally marry those two, your passion and your job, then you are in the ideal place. Mm -hmm. But it does not happen because some people just don't even know at the beginning of their career what they're passionate about because they don't know themselves. So it's all again coming back <laughs> to the values and your purpose. And then... If you're unhappy in, in your position or in the way how you're doing it, then try to go on holiday, take some time off, but then think about how you can change your approach because your thinking and your approach can also change how other people behave. So that job might actually become very, very nice or things will change or you just leave the job and have a different one. I agree with that. And I found that when I was doing what I wanted to do, a lot of my perfectionism didn't even come out. My OCD didn't even present itself. I got to the point of training where, you know, the, the folders had to be just so. The pencils that said your corporation had to be right there in a certain position. I had other trainers that would say, does that matter? You know, do we have to spend 30 minutes organizing folders and pencils? You know? <laughs> and, and when I was doing what I wanted to do and I set boundaries, my confidence was just thriving because people accept your boundaries if you give it to them. They won't accept your boundaries and they'll push on everything. I, I had people that used to, you know, you had to be dressed a certain way and people would come up and say, are your eyelashes real? And I would think, do I need to explain that to you? <laughs> or can we just go yeah. on? I'm, I'm older than you and my son is 30. But in those days, it was not uncommon for people to actually touch you. You know, I was pregnant when I was working. People constantly putting their hands all over me. <laughs> and I excused it because I didn't set up a boundary of, that's not okay. That's not okay. <laughs> so what do you do? You're absolutely right. And boundaries, uh, that's 
in especially in the working environment that's everything we we highlight one very interesting uh, example which is uh, being the coffee slash tea lady that uh, many of us might have been already asked and approached to do and we even got a male contributor to our book who is explaining on how he is changing the status quo by not asking who is the youngest or appointing a woman per se to serve the coffee but he actually serves the coffee himself even though he's the most senior in the room so i don't think it's n- not necessarily only coming from these very young ambitious women and just making a joke out of it and saying <laughs> oh yeah why don't we why don't we all come and socialize next to the coffee machine but also encouraging the other uh, let's say more senior people and usually these are men to then basically support these these women who might be put in that position. So let's say that one of the main tips that Sarah and I put together was, of course, making fun. And whenever you're put in an awkward situation, just making a joke out of it, oh. because that's going to make it even even better. <laughs> and, uh, and, then, and then the other time is just being clear about the boundaries. If you're serving the coffee, you will miss the beginning of the meeting. Exactly. You forget your opening, you forget everything. And you also accept something because you're a junior member that you shouldn't have to accept. And like you said, you did it so beautifully. And using humor and saying, come on, we can all learn. And of course, with your British accent, I think it's even better. But (laughs) I think having that lightness, this is not a big deal who gets the coffee. Yeah. We can all do that. And I've seen so many more corporations going to that and even exhibiting that on their website. Here's who we are. We don't have cubicles and we don't have windows with your office and a door that shuts because that was such a big deal in my era. In the 90s, it was, you know, in the 2000s, it was like, oh my gosh, I've got the corner room. And I lived in New York City. I lived in LA and, oh, aren't I just grand? But I hated it because that's not my personality. Yeah, and I used to dream when I started my career of the corner office and working for a really big law firm. And you know what? When I'm looking back at that, I don't think it would make me happy because these were the stereotypes that people are there and they're working really hard all these hours. But it's not about the input. It's about the output. And currently working from my kitchen, from the kitchen (laughs) table, because I don't have a proper desk for almost a year, I'm the most happy person on on earth. And I don't need a corner office or any of that. Or really, you know, people also assign too much value to titles. It's, It's all just a corporate game. And it all really boils down to what you can bring to the table. And Sarah and I hope that once you are your full true self, you really unleash your potential and you bring your full self to work. And if people like it, great. If they don't like it, also fine, you know, and it's just you, it's your authentic yourself. And that's all about that. Well, that's so true. How do you feel it's working with Gen Z coming up and getting out of college? Is that the reason? Is that the main reason that you decided to do this book, you and Sarah? Yes, mainly. Let's say there were multiple obstacles that we were overcoming after graduating and myself being Czech and having uh, now living abroad for, it's going to be next one, 10 years. And Sarah being German, also living abroad, uh, I think also for 10 years or so. We met at university and we've always stayed in touch and we were experiencing very similar issues. 
in terms of, you know, there were a lot of stereotypes, there were some sexist comments, there would be assumptions made, like you would be serving the coffee as the youngest professional in the room. There will be comments made that, you know, all these different things that we have, that we have experienced. And we have just made the decision when Sarah visited me in London and we, we, were, we were on holiday in August 2019. And we just said, you know what, we would never want anyone else to go through the same experience. And we really generally want to help the next generation of young, ambitious women to unleash their potential straight away and imagine where they are going to take it. Because I just feel very much obliged to return back to the society. I've had immense support from my network, my mentor, my family, all of my friends. And it's just about, you know, I want, I want others to thrive straight away. And it's, it was just something that really drove us. And we spent nights and days writing this book next to our full-time jobs and our amazing team who has no qualification, <laughs> no background in anything like self-publishing a book and look where we got it. And this is another thing that, that just signals and justifies the self that let's say justifies it, that you don't hire people to take uh, boxes or satisfy some criteria. You just hire people on potential. And I'm, I'm a huge advocate for that. When you have that kind of environment, you really and truly can have a team. And I looked up the word unleash, you know, in the dictionary. And one word that I loved that it said was ignite. It also said freeing and it, it said some other things that were wonderful about unleashing, you know, all the connotations to that word. And in all the topics of your book, it shows that power and that igniting that it can do for someone. I mean, it, it's very exciting to think that you can say, oh, they've lived through this. Now I can go through that. And, and I think to myself, instead of regret, I go, you know what? Everything you learn, it makes you feel that you have more depth of character. You have more empathy. Yes. And those journeys, even while being helped with you, they're still going to learn lessons. I mean, if they're not, then they're really not going to have that igniting feeling or that freedom. Indeed. And failure and mistake, it's actually an amazing opportunity to just learn from and take all that wisdom and then apply it again in the next situation. And people are so afraid to fail and just kind of put themselves out there. And you know, if you don't put yourselves out there and you don't fail, you will never get to where you are. I mean, it's not all nice and sunshine and beautiful all the time. That's why we also have rainy days to appreciate the sunny ones. So that's why yeah. having the experience and failing and, and Sarah and I are really, really paying a lot of attention to the lessons learned. That's why every single story has the lesson learned in it that will help you succeed and kind of accumulating and collecting all those stories. Hopefully by that, we will help other young ambitious women to unleash. I think it's astonishing. It's so timely in our culture. It will be a piece of truly transforming culture if the young women and men take this upon themselves to really grow. I mean, all of your chapters, here I am, the confidence muscle, which it is, and you have to use it. Otherwise, it just gets, you get wishy-washy. Yeah. And you get lazy in your mind, your critical thinking. 
and all of those types of things. And then chapter three, I'm a recovering perfectionist. There are too many women, especially, although there are men, but there are too many women who are your age and older that still have left over from people like your parents and your grandparents that lived through that. To be a woman in business, you have to be perfect. Mm. And I can remember being crushed so many times. So uh, step four, mastering the art of networking. That was something we haven't touched upon yet. And I just want to ask if there's something about that because I am a people person, but a lot of people I knew that aren't that kind of personality, they really, it's such an aversion to networking. So what is your one magical point of information or advice that you can give about networking that will make a difference? Put yourself out there and it's a skill that you can learn. That's the most important bit because people think that if you're an extrovert, it's much easier and introverts are very good at networking. No, that's rubbish. Mm -hmm. It all really boils down to putting yourself out there. And again, coming back to the point that we covered, if you fail, What's the worst thing that people will think? They will, they will not respond to your request on LinkedIn or they would just say, oh, I need to go to the ladies' room or elsewhere. And you know what? Then they were not worth your time and then you move on and speak to someone better. Mm-hmm. But just there is a lot of stigma now that we are sitting at home, can't do any networking. No, embrace it. Look at that, Rhonda. This is how we met, right? I know. We met through our common connection. Yes, yes. We are able to even talk through this enormous time difference and it's just all comes to the networking. It's fantastic. And my husband, who is the producer of the show, he and I are constantly asked, oh, it must be great for you too as podcasters to just be able to do more and more work and you have so much time now. What are you doing with it? And we thought, we never had time. And we still never have time. And we don't know what anybody's talking about. But I think it's a mindset if you're always learning and you're always growing and you want to have more fun and you want to develop yourself. Because I have five values in the journey of being a survivor. Mm -hmm. I realize, you know, civility, caring, confidence, as you mentioned, courage, courage is a part of that caring too. So civility being caring, and consideration and courtesy, which are things that I see in you. And courage, what great courage it took you and Sarah to go on this journey. And then having that confidence that we talk about. And, and really, that is feeling well enough about yourself to forget yourself and do the things that matter the most. And one of the ones that I think matters the most in life is not how much money you have, but the healthy relationships that you create. Indeed. And then... Yep. Being creative, as you mentioned, gardening, it, it doesn't have to be that you're a performer. You know, it can be your artwork, your writing, your gardening, you're a nurturer, you know, those kinds of things. And last but not least, of course, is communication. What do you think when you talk about self-love and self-care, what is something that a young woman or man can take away from this that they will know they have to. What would you say to them? Uh, Sarah and I have uh, been struggling a lot with this because we are perfectionists (laughs) or recovering perfectionists, as we would say. And 
to come back to your point, it's really about scheduling the me time into the diary and honoring it as if this was an appointment with someone else. Having an evening and people, if they say, oh, what are you doing tomorrow night? Can we do X or Y? No, I'm busy. And they say, oh, what are you doing? Oh, I have an appointment with myself because I'm going to have a bar. I love that. And they're all like, this. <laughs> is this? Or if you want to watch trashy TV, that's something that very much is like my moron time. And I don't mind sharing this with people at work when they say, what did you do during the weekend? It's like, oh, yeah, might have watched something completely random. But if that helps you or if gardening, bath, you know, self-care exercise, sleep, those are really important things. And everyone is different, but it's just about making the time and finding the space just for you, where you thrive, when you're happy, and then you will be much better in your other activities and also at work. Kate, you are such a treasure, as I mentioned. And I I feel like there are so many gems that we have taken away from our discussions. Is there anything, last word, that you would like to share? Absolutely, Rhonda. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for inviting inviting me to the show. That has been also so nice to speak to you. And one main thing that I would leave the audience with is don't procrastinate. Don't say you will unleash in a week or in a month or you will become, you know, this, you will start this diet or whatever else you are after. Just do it now. That's why we say unleash today, not tomorrow. And you can be your true self and your full self and shine like a star straight away. And it's just about finding the power, the energy to open up and be vulnerable and also just be yourself. Truly, you know what? I value what you just said. And it just makes me feel comfort all over, even my body physiology, to be reminded of that. You need that and you don't need to explain to other people, what you're doing, but have an appointment with yourself and valuing yourself enough to set those boundaries. Thank you so much, Kate, for being a shining star. Oh, thank you. I've had the luxury of having several conversations with the authentic thought leader, Kate Sorella, and reading Unleashed Today, the book that she co-authored with Sarah Wagner. I feel free and ignited to not accept what mud life may throw at me, but to utilize it successfully to fuel my own passions and dreams. Here's my three takeaways from Kate. Number one, don't take no for an answer. Don't accept excuses for your lifestyle. It's a choice and you can choose happiness. Number two, Define yourself with confidence. Then take that happy new energy and place yourself in the lifestyle of your choice. Number three, Unleashed Today was created for you to share their lessons learned so you don't have to endure the prevailing gender biases in business and society. Kate and Sarah's seven-step focus is on making good first impressions, building confidence, overcoming perfectionism, I know a little about that, Uh, self-love, networking, and professional growth. Thank you for listening to Bully Buster with my fantastic guest, Kate Sorella, co-author of Unleashed Today. You can get your copy at our website. Just go to bullybuster.us slash Kate. 
overcome the hurdles of today while unleashing your full potential. I just finished reading it. Even though I'm far away from my 20s, it is perfectly inspiring. I'm Rhonda Orr. Until next time, let's build civility for a new generation. Go to Rhonda's website, bullybuster.us, to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. That's also where you'll find information about having Rhonda speak at your event or school. It's all at bullybuster.us.